Well, I do want to talk about fatherhood today, and I felt like I would start by, by uh, showing off a Father's Day present here. I've never worn a hat in a sermon, but I'm going to put it on right now. So, this is from my oldest, so I'm rocking my Father's Day garb, you know, kind of like that, uh, you know, the uh, video there, just rocking the dad life. I got a hat last uh, weekend, so let's, let's throw up a picture there of uh, little KJ. So this is our oldest, if you guys don't know him. Uh, he is in the middle there. <laughs> His name is KJ. He's almost 20. And Don and I got to go visit him. It was our 21st wedding anniversary, and we got to go visit him. He's living in, uh, yeah, 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 she made it. <laughs> Give her a hand, please. Um, we got to go to Catalina for just a couple days, three days, two nights uh, last week, visit our boy. Uh, curiously enough, uh, he lives there now. Uh, we went there for my dad's 70th birthday last summer in July, and our son never came home. It was kind of a wild experience. He had just graduated high school, and, and he was looking for that next step in his life, and, and God opened some just wild doors for him to where he was a fishing, fishing boat deckhand, and then he got a job at a fish house and got these ridiculous rooms available to him. He was living on a yacht for a little bit. He's sending me pictures. I'm like, hey, dad, here's my yacht. And then he's living. That's a picture of or from his balcony, essentially. So he's got this beautiful view and this incredibly cheap rent. And he's uh, working hard at a fish house now, saving money for, for college eventually, and, and just living the adult life. And, and it's been an incredible journey watching him. And so it was a great joy uh, to go over there and visit him for a little bit. Let's see that second picture. On the last day, he and I got to get out in the boat, so he is right now in the market to buy himself a, a little fishing boat, and so he took me around in, in that uh, skiff, they call it, and we went uh, just around the other side of the, the face of the island, and he was testing it out, and we got to fish together, and he is a, a boy of the sea, he loves the sea, and so it was really, and just encourage us from God's word on the beautiful and, and powerful role that that is carried in really the, the glory of, of fatherhood and grandfatherhood and, and spiritual fatherhood. And, and if you've been around this church or haven't been around long, you know that we value the body of Christ in such a way that even if you're not a biological dad, that does not mean you don't play a fatherly role. There is a, a spiritual fatherhood that the world is so hungry for, just like there's a spiritual motherhood that the world is so hungry for. And so we want to honor all the, all the dads in the house, the grandpas, the, the spiritual dads, the future dads, and, and get into God's word and, and try to capture some of his heart for the, the role that we can play in the world of nothing short of revealing his glory, of, show, of showing his goodness in a way that brings life to the world around us. And for me, it really started almost 20 years ago when, when KJ was born. And I have these distinct memories of my heart exploding. <laughs> like, I didn't know that my heart was capable of such love. There was such a, a, a delight over this tiny little life. That is, as Don and I, even though we were like zombies, you know, first-year parents, I love, I love seeing first-year parents, and I love laughing at them because they look so awful. <laughs> like, they're just 
zombies. You know, it's like sleep is just not something that you get much of. And we, we went through that three times where it's like that first year is just, oh, it's so hard because you're just a zombie for like a year of your life. But it's so worth it. And I remember specifically the privilege that was given to us by the Lord for the first time with KJ, where, you know, trying to put him down for bed. Uh, it was awful because it was like an hour each time, but there was something truly glorious that was there for me. The ease with which I delighted in him, didn't have to work for it, didn't have to strive for it. Man, I, I found something of, of glory inside of me flowing out to where I had so much joy in holding him, you know, this tiny little guy. In, in holding him close, I mean, it, I remember, I love the, the chest to chest, the skin to skin, you know, where we, I would just hold him and sing to him, sing over him. We kind of created a monster because by the time he was one, his expectation was, yeah, mom and dad each hold me for 45 minutes and, <laughs> and sing songs until I'm, you know, way just in that heavenly happy place and took us a few years to, to wean that out. Um, by the second, you know, the third kid, we're like, hey, here's a CD, you know, <laughs> God's good, he'll bless you. No, I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. But we didn't do 45 minutes each. But there, it, there was a, a grace flow in there, you know, in kid number one, and, and, and truly a delight, that's, that's the word to me, it was like a delight and a joy to hold him, to snuggle him, to sing over him, to kiss him, and, and just to, to put him to sleep in this blanket of love. And... In one of those times, I think it was uh, uh, probably in the first two, three months, as we were, I mean, it, you know, you, there's kind of this weird thing of like, it's hard, your biceps are burning and your back hurts, and it's like, you know, 45 minutes of doing this and all this stuff, but there is just delight and joy in getting to sing over my son and watching him fall asleep in my arms. Like, I, I love that. We call that like the, you know, the Holy Spirit knockout, you know, or the love knockout. Like, I loved knocking him out uh, with, with the love and the safety and the security, seeing him just doze off to sleep. That was so uh, precious to me. And in the midst of that, feeling my heart expand and explode and, and, and lavish that on him and just delight to do that, it was like I... It was an experience of grace for me because it was like I didn't try for this. I didn't strive for it. My heart just got bigger in the, in the time of need of, of having a son. And so as I was in the midst of those emotions and those, those feelings and that experience and just really enjoying my son, I remember the Holy Spirit said, hey, you know that's how I feel about you. And it was this weird moment. Because I was like, nah, I don't think so. Like, and it was this weird, but that's weird, right? I remember the, the feeling of like God kind of trapping me <laughs> when he said that. Or put this sense on my heart. You know that's how I feel about you, right? And he got me. He showed me something. Because my initial response was like, nah, 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 not that good. But as soon as I, you know, said that in this dialogue with the Lord, 
it was like, wait a second, that's, that's, that's foolishness. And felt like the Lord was saying, yeah, yeah, think about that. You think you're a better father than me? And it was just this encounter with God of all of this, what I would call agape love, this fountain that's flowing. This, the picture of agape love in the Bible is like this, this fountain. It's just this overflow. It has no source. It's, I mean, meaning it has no starting point. This eternal goodness that just wells up to overflow upon others. From eternity past, God has loved us. We didn't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't do enough good stuff to impress God and win over his affections. It's just there. Long before we did anything to turn towards him, his love has been pursuing us for an eternity. And I remember that moment where God took a, began a new journey with me through having my heart explode from my son and God saying, you know that's how I feel about you, right? And me being able to be like, no, I don't. And then God being able to take me into his word and begin to show me that this is his heart because there's no way that I'm a better father to my son than he is to me. And Jesus actually speaks directly to that in Matthew 7. Some of you who've been around a while know that this is an absolutely key verse for us in Jesus describing the heart of the Father. And he had some work to do in that culture as well. A lot of what he talks about when he's preaching is about the heart of the Father, and in many ways he's trying to repaint the canvas on people's hearts of what they believe to be true about God. And that the goodness of God that can be encountered in the heart of the Father was not being encountered by many, if not most. And so Jesus speaks of this tenderness, this intimacy, this goodness, this kindness, this delight in a way that is meant to reshape, renew our minds and renew our hearts with who God is and how good the heart of the Father is. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7, 7 to 11, as he's talking about prayer, he says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so just pause there for a moment. He is encouraging people to pray. And encouraging them that their prayers will be answered. Ask, seek, and knock. And when you ask, it will be given. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. I mean, that's a massive, incredible promise about prayer. But then Jesus gets into the why. Why can we have this kind of confidence in prayer? Because of the heart, the good heart, the overwhelmingly, shockingly good heart of our Father who delights in us. He says, because which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And this is that same issue of, are you a better father than God? That's Jesus' question to the crowd as he teaches about prayer, ask, seek, and knock. And their, their question is, well, how do we, why? Why would we trust that? And his, essentially his question is, are you a better father than God? Are you a better parent than God? Because all of you who have kids, you know that when your kids ask for something, your immediate inclination is to do them good. That's like a, a universal inclination in the heart of parents unless there is a really tragic pain in the parent who just doesn't have the capacity. It's instinctual to do good for your kids. And so Jesus speaks to that parental instinct. Instinct. It says, you know how you want to do good stuff for your kids, right? Right? Well, compared to the goodness of God, you're evil. <laughs> so if you've got that good instinct, how much more can you trust that your heavenly Father is going to do good for you? And so he uses that argument and, and, uh, of are you a better father than God? Are you a better mother? Are you a better parent than God? But the kind of reverse engineering of it is every single ounce of goodness that you feel as a father or a parent, a mother, grandfather, grandmother, every single ounce of goodness that you feel toward your child is but a tiny sliver compared to the delight that your heavenly father has for you. And to me, this is world-changing. This was world-changing and continues to be world-changing because what I felt for KJ was nothing short of awesome, holy, special, different. Like it came out of me in a way that, I, I, like I said, I didn't try for it. It was just there, the sheer delight over him, the joy over him, the care for him, the energy and endurance to want to bless him and take care of him and nurture him and kiss him and hug him, make him feel safe, love, loved, all that stuff, the willingness to, to want to do anything necessary for his good, that desire inside that says, I just want nothing but good for his life. That all just came easy. Now, do I believe it was God's grace? 100%. But what it did for me was, it, as that came easy, God was saying, and that's just a tiny sliver of how I feel about you. That's just a tiny sliver of the goodness that is coming your way every day from my heart. That's just a tiny sliver of, as Paul used that word, pressing in today, from Psalm 23, 6, that says, Surely the goodness and mercy of the Lord are following me. The literal word is pursuing me, pursuing me, chasing after me every day of my life. And all the goodness that I could possibly muster up towards my kids is just a tiny sliver in comparison to the goodness of God. But to me, it was huge. And so that 
means that what God has is just that much better. And that's a game changer. That is an absolute game changer. To be able to live life knowing the goodness of God is overwhelming. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you as fathers, as grandfathers, as mothers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, spiritual fathers, any inclination of goodness that you feel towards children of wanting to help them, bless them, nurture them, show them healthy affection, care for them, to see good happen in their lives. No. Take that before the Lord and know that that's a tiny sliver in comparison with the eternal wellspring of agape love that is coming your way from God. That's how God feels about you. Except in eternal volumes. If we can live from that place, it it is absolutely a game changer. To be able to wake up in the morning and believe that agape love of God, that eternal wellspring of God that is coming our way, pursuing us with a goodness that even the best parents on earth aren't even really in a worthy comparison to. That's how good God is. That will settle and secure so many things. That'll get you up in the morning. (laughs) That is the good news to get you up in the morning. But from that, my encouragement is, it it also speaks to to the secret of good parenting, to the secret of fatherhood. There's a reciprocal reciprocal relationship between revelation and impartation, meaning what God reveals to you about his nature so that you can then give something God-like to others, which is essentially, I believe, the goal of parenthood, the goal of fatherhood, so that the most important thing we could possibly do to be a good father, to be a good grandfather, spiritual father, is to seek those personal encounters with your heavenly father. Because as you encounter him, you will be able to reflect him. As you get, if you will, the big biblical word is that revelation of the nature of God, you can now give away, you can impart, you can pass on, you can reflect that nature of God. To the world around you. 1 John 3, 1 and 16 say this exact thing. 1 John 3, 1. Oh, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us. And I love that word lavished. I love its almost hyperbolic nature. It's a huge, grandiose description about the way that God loves us. He delights in us. He sings over us. He dances over us. And I would say this is where, you know, God brought that 
reverse engineering revelation to me. That stuff came easy for my kids to sing over them, to hold them close, to lavish my love upon them, to not, you know, I got excited to wake up in the morning and see them and play with them and felt so much goodness just flowing out of me towards them that I would do anything for them, I would sacrifice for them, and I want nothing but goodness in their life. And God, over and over, over years of parenting, is like, remember, that's how I feel about you. In fact, what you're feeling towards your kids is just a tiny sliver of the goodness that I have. So when the Bible says God has lavished his love upon me, now I'm starting to get it. Oh, wow, lavished. It's just kind of this ridiculous word. It's, it's, it's rich. It's like, I see it's like frosting on cake. It's not just like a little bit of like a little dollop. It's like there's this lavish, overflowing amount. He doesn't hold anything back. He delights in us. Zephaniah 3.17, we know it well, right? He sings over us. He dances over us. Those are things that before, it's like, that's the, come on. God doesn't do that stuff. He's serious. And he is serious. There are very serious things going on in the world. And one of the most serious things on the planet is, are you a child of God? Because if you are a child of God, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, look at the benefits of what has happened. Oh, how great the love of the Father that he has lavished upon us, that we have the privilege to be called children of God. And it goes on to say, and in many other places, heirs of God. We are in his family now, Ephesians 1 says, in such a way that we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that the Son of God is, it's, everything that's in the will, if you will, the will of God, and it uses that language, like the actual kind of written will and testament, everything that's in the will of the Father is he's giving it all to the Son. And as we trust in the Son, we get adopted into the family as co-heirs, as children of God, so that every single blessing in heaven is ours in Christ. That's some serious business. And that's what it's talking about. Oh, the love that the Father has lavished upon you. That you have the privilege to be called a children, of, a child of God. And that is what we are, it says. That's revelation of the nature and character, the heart of the Father that God wants each and every one of us to have and in increasing measure. And so I still do this to this day with my kids when I sense and feel that, that goodness of the Father towards them in whatever context and capacity, it's now like a, a, a discipline in my mind to turn that upward to the heart of God. Just remember, just right now, just remember that delight that you have in your kids right now or that desire to help them or sacrifice for them or do them good or to see them succeed. Remember, I have that towards you times infinity, <laughs> times eternity. So that, it just reinforces it, strengthens it. I encounter it afresh so that I can give it away afresh. And that's exactly what 1 John three sixteen says. By this, talking about 
what Christ has done for us. By this, we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and therefore we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, the brethren, the brothers and sisters, the family of God, the body of Christ, how much more your own kids. The principle here is, how does God love us? That's how we're to love our kids. The revelation that we've been the recipients of, the blessing of God's love lavished upon us, that that revelation that God wants to bring and continue to bring, it says right in here, that's now how we're supposed to love others. It's right there. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. By this we know love. So the ultimate expression of God's love for us is that he sent his one, his, he sent his one and only son who laid down his life for us. That is the ultimate revelation of God's love. That's why it says, by this we know love. Now remember, in the Bible, the word know is not information alone, it's encounter. All over the place, we've got to get that. It's not just you know about God's love, you've encountered God's love. Adam knew Eve and it produced a baby. Like that's the biblical picture of knowing. It is an intimate encounter. It's not factual information alone. And so it's saying, by this, we can encounter the love of God. That Christ laid down his life for us. And now when the Holy Spirit awakens and, and, and enlightens the eyes of your heart to see that love, you know that love. The height, the depth, the, the breadth. And it's meant to be in increasing measure throughout life and for all of eternity. And then what's the result? And we ought to lay down our lives for others. So there's the revelation of the nature of the love of God, and then it's that impartation. You give it away now. So all that to say, you know, forgive me if that's getting a little complex, but the basic idea is if you don't know the love of God, you're not going to be able to show the love of God. And so the most important thing we can do as fathers, grandfathers, spiritual fathers, parents, is get humble before the Lord and say, I, I want to know you, God. Because as we get to know and encounter the love of God, it's going to flow through us to show the love of God. And as we get to know the good discipline of the Lord, we'll be able to show the good discipline of the Lord. As God has revealed himself to us with power and authority, we can pass it on to our kids. And to me, I believe that that's succinctly right there, that's, that's a definition of a, of a good father. You can write your own, but I wrote what I think is a healthy one from the Bible. This is for me, so work with the Lord and, and come up with your own if you like, or you can copy and paste, that's fine too. But it's right there in your lift notes. What's the role of a father, grandfather, spiritual father, to reflect my heavenly father 
which is exactly what I'm talking about right now. You can't reflect him if you haven't encountered him. Revelation, then reflection. So as you do your own work to know the heart of God, and that revelation comes, then you can reflect. So reflect my heavenly father by empowering my kids to be fully alive in who God designed them to be through a healthy identity and a powerful destiny. Identity and destiny. Is that not exactly what the Lord does with us? Identity and destiny. Identity has to do with our being. The message that we want our kids to see and hear and feel is grace. That they are loved, valued, cherished, delighted in, cared for, supported, made in his image, made for a relationship with God, and it's all free. Even when they don't behave well. That's grace. I think that's the number one thing that our kids need to experience is the grace of God through us, the message of the agape love of God, that they are loved, they are cherished, they are delighted in, and it's all free. It's from the very beginning of their life. It has nothing to do with whether or not they've behaved well. It's the grace of God that has revealed, been revealed to us, changed our life, and we get to be conduits now, and they get to get born into grace or encounter grace, encounter the love of God through us. It's exactly what 1 John says. As we know the love of God, we pass it on to others. That's our identity. That's their identity. It's meant to be free, resulting in children that know who they are, that have a deep security in their value. They're safe, they're protected, they know who they are in God's eyes. Quite simply, a beloved son or daughter. And it's amazing the confidence that that will instill to go out and live courageously, live adventurously. And then as we get into destiny, this is about the doing this is about that each and every one of us is created to be a masterpiece of God, that God had things planned before eternity passed for us to do. Some of that purpose that we've been talking about, to join in on God's mission and make a difference in the world. Each and every single one of us. Ephesians 2.10 says it like this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. It's an amazing verse that God sees us as a masterpiece. Now this is, to be true, this is a collective masterpiece as he's talking about the body of Christ. We are his masterpiece. But you can break that out down into individual, beautiful, little masterpieces that come together in a big masterpiece, each and every single individual, it says, long ago he planned for things for us to do. So that speaks to your gifts, your passions, the unique way that you can reflect Jesus to the world through the personality, the giftedness, the passions that he's given you and no one else. And that's an incredible thought. 
that as parents, fathers, grandfathers, spiritual fathers, that we can help awaken those powerful destinies in each and every kid. That we can see them with the eyes of the Lord that says each and every single one of them has a unique, powerful destiny to make a difference in this world for Christ, to reflect Christ in a way that gives God glory and brings people alive. And that we can help them discover those things and develop those things just like God has done with us. So it's once again, it's just reflection. Whereas God has brought us into the family by grace where he delighted in us and it wasn't about us doing anything. It's just that agape love of God. And as we've been saved, now God takes us on this process to say, hey, I want to show you that you have a powerful destiny. Here's some gifts I want to see emerge in you. Here's some passions I want you to develop and all. That's a journey that we're all on, right? It's the same exact thing as you receive that revelation, then you pass it on, reflect it. And in those things of simply identity and destiny, we are reflecting the heart of our Heavenly Father to our beloved children. Let me just close with a couple quick scriptures. I know we're going a little over. These are things to, to meditate on, to ask the Lord how in my life, in my context, in the sphere of influence that you've given me, maybe I've got kids right now in the home. Maybe I've got grown kids. Maybe I've got grandkids. Maybe I have no biological kids, but man, is there not a world out there who need healthy male spiritual father figures. I mean, that's like a whole nother sermon. You can go into the tragedy of the statistics and what they all show about the lack, what happens when there is a lack of a godly male presence in a life. But I trust we're enough on the same page. We don't need to spend all that time. <laughs> let's just say, hey, let's encounter more of the heart of the Father and go out and, and reflect and represent that heart of the Father in the places and spheres of influence God's given us. But there's a couple scriptures here that to me are central in how do we build in that healthy identity and powerful destiny into the kids that God has given us influence over. And to me, I, I love that picture of Ephesians 5.23 when it's talking about the household and the various roles in the household and there's that controversial word about the male being the head. Ephesians 5.23, the head of the household. And as I did study a long time ago into that, it was like, wow, that's an amazing picture, a beautiful picture. It means like the tip of the spear. And, and, and the, the connotation of it is the, the man of the house is the one who's willing to be first into battle in order to sacrifice his life to lift up his wife and lift up his family. That's why it specifically says in there, it's a, it's a comparison to Jesus 524 of Ephesians, who models this headship by giving himself up for her, the church. So the, the model of headship is one who's willing to lay down their life to lift up others. It's the one who's willing to go first into battle and, and be the most vulnerable to the arrows of the enemy, to take them on behalf of others to lift them up. 
You can think about all these famous movie scenes where there's the, the general of the army. You either got the coward waiting in the back and just saying, you know, sending people into army, or you got the real leader who's willing to be at the front of the army, the most vulnerable, going first into battle, willing to sacrifice for those he loves. And that's that picture in Ephesians 5. And so to me, the question is, how can I, how can we, how can we be first into battle on behalf of our kids? And that's a serious question. And you think about identity and destiny. And to me, in this short answer, you know, really for time's sake, but this is something to meditate on in regards to identity, I would say it's that they hear and, and see and feel from me more than anyone else how loved and valued and secure they are. There's more healthy affection coming their way. There's more just lavishing of love than, 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 than anyone else. I'm going to take it on myself. I'm going to be first in the battle. It means I want to do that better than anyone in their life. And, I'll, and it's cool if my wife wants to compete with me on that. That's great too. But I want to do it the best. It's that mindset of like I'm going first in the battle. I'm looking for opportunities to build in that healthy identity that is grace, saying I, I mean, every kid wants to make their, their, their parents proud, their father proud, their mother proud, but we got to be really careful that it doesn't ever come to a point where them wanting to make us proud is them earning our love. That's, that's a tragic. That is not grace. That's not love. That's not the agape love of God that saved your life from eternity. So, oh, into eternity, the good one. <laughs> And as we have encountered that love, that sacrificial agape love, 1 John 3 says, Ephesians 5, 23 and 24 says, we pass that on. Grace, undeserved goodness that is just lavished. It's free. It wells up like, a, like an eternal fountain. It's just there and, and you're getting it. <laughs> That's what our kids should feel. And in regards to destiny, to be first in the battle would mean that they hear and see and feel from me more than anyone else that I believe in them, that they are a masterpiece who has a great and powerful future according to their gifts and passions. Not mine and not, my, not what I want for them, what God designed them to be. Their unique gifts and passions and my job is to not try to make them to be a clone of me, but to say, how can I partner with the Holy Spirit and them to discover who God's made them to be? Help them discover those unique combinations of personality, gifts, and passions, and help them develop those things. And I want to be their number one advocates in that. And again, my wife and I can battle for who's better at it. But that's first in the battle. That's first in the battle mindset. And, and the last thing on that is I would say, to build in that healthy identity and powerful destiny, we have to know their spiritual pulse at all times. Got to know their pulse. Ephesians 6, 4 talks about, don't provoke your child to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3, 21, don't exasperate your children so that they lose heart. This is about spirit-led calibration what they need, when they need it. Do we have the spiritual pulse 
of each and every one of the kids that God has given us influence over to where we can, by the Holy Spirit's leading, we can feel where they're at so that we can calibrate appropriately what it's talking about here. The discipline, the instruction, and that's one thing that, you know, our culture is going wacky, absolutely wacky right now, saying that it is oppressive to do anything to your children other than affirm them. Whatever they say they feel, you have to say, great job, that's a great feeling, go with it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. What about when your child says, I hate my brother? Good job, son. Go with those feelings. I mean, no, that is absolutely wrong. It says right here that we need to bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. God gave children parents for a reason, to build them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, to teach them right from wrong. This is the way of life in God. And I'm not saying it's a heavy-handed right and wrong, here's the rules and regulations. That's what it's talking about on the other end of it. Don't exasperate them. If you push too hard, you're too heavy-handed, it's exasperate. The, The word there is like you break their spirit. That kind of defeat is not that sacrificial love that will make them alive in Christ. So I'm not in any way just talking about heavy-handed rules and regulations. I'm talking about that grace-filled, agape love of God where they feel the delight, but along with that, there are clear boundaries. This is the way of life. That, that right there will lead to destruction. That is not healthy. That is wrong. That is against God's ways. And then the nuance <laughs> to calibrate all that. you got to know the pulse. Every kid is different. I mean, I got three boys, and at times I'm like, wow, like the discipline or the, the, the fathering that worked with this one works horribly with that one. And it has everything to do with like, you know, personality and the pulse of where they are at in their development, all these things. It's like, wow, God, I need your help. Because this is not a formula. It just, you know, you can't, it's not the one size fits all every time in every situation. No way. But guess what? Neither is any of you. The Holy Spirit works uniquely to minister to each one of you with exactly, he knows what you need today. And when you come to him, it's not like God's like, well, what's my formula? Okay, here you go. It's, it's incredibly nuanced. It's very personal. It's calibrated to you. He knows the pulse of where you're at. What's going well in your life? What's not? What strengths you have right now? What insecurities you have? What do you need that's going to help you come more alive in God right now? And sometimes it's a stern word, and sometimes it's just, hey, you messed up for the thousandth time? Come here and just feel my warm embrace of forgiveness. And that's where it's the dependence on the Holy Spirit we need (laughs) to say, I need the pulse of where they're at, God. What's your heart for them in this moment to help me reflect you because you are the one who's going to bring them fully alive. So I'm going to pause there. There's lots to to have a lot more, but I'm just going to pause for the sake of time here and the the ice cream is melting and uh, plenty to to ponder. So let's let's just pray and go from there. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you that you have not left us alone as orphans in this world, but that you have initiated, pursued, 
lavished, delighted in us from the very beginning, from eternity past, before we did anything, you just loved us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be bringing increasing revelation of the unfathomable riches of the love that you have for us, the heart of a father. And Lord, we pray for all of us in this room I just want to give that special blessing this morning to the, the dads, the grandpas, the, the spiritual dads, those who will be dads, Lord. Would you, by your Holy Spirit's power, continue to reveal to us your love, your goodness, so that we can impart it to the world around us. And in the days and weeks to come right now, we, we, we pray that you would be speaking to us about this message and, and what is that fatherhood role that you've called us to play and highlight those people in our lives, those beloved children of yours that you have called into our sphere of influence on many different levels to represent the heart of the Father. Lord, we ask for your grace to do it well and thank you that you will. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.